0: Some of the readings that we hear today, more or less, deal with the topic of prayer. In particular, our gospel talks a lot about prayer, and specifically the prayer of petition, when we ask God for something that we want or something that we need. And so Jesus is very clear That when we do pray, we should pray in great trust in God our Father. That when we ask for things, that he will and he wants us to receive good things. I'm sure everybody in here, most Catholics, would have no problem believing this. That God is good, that he does answer prayers, and we can testify in the lives of many people. They receive blessings, a new job they prayed for, a healing, or whatever else they may have asked for. But often, we can feel like God does not actually answer our prayers, at least. Maybe he's answering everybody else's prayers, but we can feel overlooked, forgotten. And so as a result of that, we can begin to feel that maybe he's not a good father. He's really not interested in me. In fact, he might even be considered unjust or capricious. How do we face this? How do we deal with it, particularly when it becomes a reality in our own lives? Now, I don't want to make an unfair assumption here, but from my experience as a priest... Most Catholics pray, but their prayer primarily consists of petitions, asking God for things they want or when they need things. And particularly that's the case. Maybe they'll do it throughout the day or throughout their lives, but really the time that Catholics tend to pray is when they need something, when they're in a time often of desperation, And so this is what we call sort of a manifestation of the phenomena of practical atheism. Not saying that Catholics are atheists, but the fact is we live in a society and culture where most of our needs are taken care of. We don't need to pray to God for good weather so the crop will grow. We don't need to pray to God for someone to be healed because we just go to the store and get medicine. And so what happens is in our day-to-day life, We live like we are atheists. But when things get bad, then we begin going to God. Then we begin asking him for things that we need. And so this relationship becomes sort of a relationship of utility. We come to God when we need him, when he's useful for us. Like in the gospel today, we come knocking on his door late at night when we are in need of his assistance. And indeed, he does give and he will give, but often we feel like we have to nag him, to be persistent, that he really doesn't wanna give us things, but he gives it to us because he's aggravated with our asking. But if we pay attention to the gospel, this sort of relationship of utility is not what our relationship with God ought to be like. And so when Christ teaches us to pray, he teaches us to call God our Father. Essentially, our relationship with God should be filial of sons and daughters to a God who is our Father, who loves us. And again, through our experience, many people are like, yes, okay, God is our Father, but so often we act like teenagers who go to God when we want to take the car out, when we we need some money, when we want to go hang out with our friends, and when our parents tell us, no, you can't do it, we pout, we get angry, we talk bad about them. And to a certain extent, this is understandable because quite often our own earthly parents and our relationship to them reflects on our understanding and our relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. So if you didn't have a great relationship with your parents, chances are your concept of God as Father and your relationship to Him might be a little bit flawed. Now what I want you to do, though, is take this comparison and this understanding of what our relationship in reality often is to God in prayer and compare it to what it ought to be. A child who is in a real, loving relationship with his Father. Jesus was in a relationship with his Heavenly Father. They enjoy doing things together. They talk to each other. They help each other out. The Father delights in the Son, and the Son enjoys being with the Father. They enjoy sharing each other's company. Like two close friends, who really love each other. They don't have to do anything. They're content being with each other. They look forward to spending time with each other. They don't have to, it's not an obligation. They never feel forced to hang out. And you don't have to really do anything to win love or to win affection. It's just important to be with each other. And this is the confidence and that ease and relationship that we ought to have with God, our Heavenly Father. And so when the child who's in a relationship like this, who loves his father and knows the father delights in him, when he asks for something, he knows that the father is going to be willing to respond in this very generous way when he's asked. And if the father, for whatever reason, says, no, I can't give that to you, I can't give what you request. And the child understands that, well, maybe he can't afford it, or it's not good for me, and therefore doesn't despair, doesn't get angry, doesn't feel that he's overlooked or cheated. Because that child, unlike the teenager we mentioned, doesn't feel entitled to the father's love, affection, or gifts. But here's the real irony. The child who is in this relationship with his father doesn't really ask the father for much. If you really love the father, you're not always tagging at him and saying, dad, give me this, dad, give me that. He knows the father's going to provide. He knows that everything that he needs will be given to him. And he knows that his father knows his heart already, knows what his love is, what his desires are, and knows this and is so happy to give it to him before he even asks. And as a result, he's just happy in being in the father's presence. The love and the relationship this is all that he really wants or needs. He's not always asking for things. He's not always petitioning the father. But if he does? He's going to ask in a very bold way, knowing that all that the father has belongs to him. And so that child is willing to ask the father to give him the thing that is the most important to him, the thing that he holds and cherishes as most precious, knowing that the father will give it and is going to give it joyfully. He also knows that he can change the mind and the heart of his father by offering his bold and confident prayers. And so I know this because, of course, scripture teaches it, but I also know it because I've seen it lived out in the lives of truly holy people, people of deep, real prayer. God answers their prayers And they know it. These individuals know that God is going to respond to their prayers because they have a relationship with him. They know the Father's heart. They've experienced his paternal love. These truly holy people enjoy spending time in prayer. They look forward to it. It's an essential part of their day. They're aware of God throughout every part of the day and in everything they do. They live to make him happy and they know that they are always present in the heart of the Father. And so when they do ask for something, they ask with great faith in his goodness. And we can see examples of this from the first reading today. Abraham, who had that courage and that confidence to ask God to save and spare the innocent in Sodom. He could do it, even though he was annoying, because he had that relationship with God. St. Therese is probably the best example of that. Now, granted, she had a really good relationship with her earthly father, but it translated to help her understand and live in the confidence of a spiritual child in relationship to the Father in Heaven who wants her to receive all good things. And of course, probably the best example is the Blessed Virgin Mary. She made that one petition in Cana, and Jesus responded to her prayer like that. We don't see any more evidence of her asking Jesus to do things, but we know that she would have had the faith to ask knowing that her son would provide. And so often the reason that we feel overlooked when our prayers are not answered, when we come knocking on God's door, is because we really don't have a living relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. We don't spend time with Him in prayer. It's that relationship of utility, are just often paying him lip service. There's a real desire to spend time with him, to make time to be with our Father. And so as a result, we're tempted to make excuses. I don't have time, I'm too busy, or oh, I forgot to pray. We don't make excuses when it comes to people we truly love. We don't forget to spend time with our best friend. We're not too busy to spend time With those whom we truly love, we find time. We find time to spend with them. Now some may say, yes, Father, I'm spending time in prayer, but I'm not good at it. I get distracted all the time. I can't focus. God doesn't love my prayer. But the truth is, so often we make prayer much more complicated than it needs to be. You've all heard me quote Father Jacques-Philippe before, and I think here he gives the best definition of prayer that I've ever heard. He says to pray is to spend time freely with God, for the joy of being together. It is to love, because giving one's time means giving one's life. Love doesn't consist first of doing something for another, but in being present to him Or her. Prayer teaches us to be present to God with a simple, loving attention. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. Our mind doesn't have to be focused. We can be confused all over the place. The Father is just happy that we're there. That we're spending time with him. He wants to spend time with us. But when we come to do that in a committed way, we open ourselves to receive his love to experience his paternal love, and therefore we become rooted in our identity, and therefore we learn to pray with great confidence. And in doing so, as this becomes a habit, we see the good things that God gives to us, that the Father gives to us, like Jesus mentions in the gospel. And so we become grateful for his generosity to us, And as a result, we want to give back generously to him with everything that we have, our time, our talent, and our treasure. It's sort of a positive feedback loop. The most generous Catholics that I know are the ones who have serious, committed prayer lives, the ones who have a real relationship with God, our Father. And so for them, giving is an expression of gratitude. They give with joy, it's not an afterthought or a burden. They don't have to be nagged in order to give and be generous. They do not give because they have to, but because they have experienced the Father's love and generosity for them in that relationship. And so wrapping this up, I think in talking about all of this, that great parable in Luke's Gospel of the Prodigal Son, It's that older son who refuses to come into the house after the father pleads and begs with him to come in. He says, look, all these years I served you and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. Notice how the son describes his relationship, not as son to father, but as slave to master, there to obey his commands. And so, he also then focuses on what he doesn't have, what he hasn't been given. And as a result, he remains outside of the house, blaming the father, instead of pointing the finger at himself and understanding that the fault lies with him. But then listen to the beautiful response of the father. My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. This is true by the virtue of our baptism. We are sons and daughters of God. And so just as the father in the gospel reaches out to the oldest son, he reaches out to us with an invitation to come inside the father's house, to spend time with him, to grow in our intimacy with him and confidence in our identity. And so that we come to know that we share in that inheritance of grace. We don't even have to ask because we know that the Father knows our heart and desires to give us all we need. Amen.